Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We're taking a look at Nathaniel, and Nathaniel also goes by another name in the Bible. Sometimes when you take a look and compare the Gospels, you'll notice some kind of subtle differences. In particular, when you see the list of the disciples, you'll notice that in some of the lists, uh, Nathaniel's name is missing. There's no Nathaniel there. In its place is Bartholomew. So Nathaniel also goes by the name of Bartholomew. And if you're wondering where the name Bartholomew comes from, in the Bible, when you see a name and there's that three letters Bar, B-A-R, as part of the name, it indicates that they're the son of. Right? So you'll hear the name Johnson, right? Obviously, somebody there in the family had the name John, and these are their sons, you know? So their family name became Johnson, if you will. Well, Bartholomew is essentially the same thing because Bar means son, and Tholomew or Tolmai was obviously the name of his father. So you could kind of think of it as the son of Tolmai. That's, that's how he went, uh, and he was known by that name. And there's some other people in the Bible that you see that word bar or the letters bar. You know the name Barnabas, right? Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas means the son of consolation. So if you break that name down, it means the son of consolation. In the Bible, there's actually somebody by the name of Bar Jesus. Obviously, their father's name was Jesus or in the Hebrew, maybe Joshua or Hosea. So if Nathaniel were living today, we might consider his full name to be Nathaniel Bartholomew, right? Just like you might have somebody whose name is Michael Johnson, right? This would be his name. Nathaniel Bartholomew is kind of his full name. If you were to kind of adapt the culture that we use today with the first name and the family name. We also know about Nathaniel that he was from Cana, the very end of the book of John, when all of the disciples, or six of them, are following Peter to go a fishing. The Bible says that Nathaniel was of Cana in Galilee. So Nathaniel's hometown was Cana. And from last week, if you remember, we're here in John chapter number one. John chapter number two, immediately following Jesus meeting with Nathanael, Jesus goes into Galilee and he has the very first miracle. He turns the water into wine in the city of Cana. So the very first miracle happens in the hometown of Nathanael. So it's interesting that Jesus calls Philip, Philip calls Nathanael, and the very first place that Jesus goes is the hometown of Nathaniel. So you have Nathaniel. Now he is following Jesus. He has uh, received the call. He has followed him. And so we have this individual who's a disciple of the Lord. And really the only thing we know about Nathaniel comes from the passage that we're looking at today, John chapter number one. So we're going to take a look at this passage. And when you see the passage, I think the trait that comes to mind when I read this passage is that Nathaniel was teachable. That's what I see in Nathaniel. I see that Nathaniel is teachable, which is important because being a disciple means being teachable. That's the idea. The word disciple has the idea of learning from. That's why they would call Jesus rabbi. Rabbi is teacher. They had this desire to learn, and discipleship is about learning. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 20 says, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him 
as the truth is in Jesus. So Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and the base assumption is, of course, that they have been learning from Jesus. That's what Christians ought to do. That's what disciples are. In Matthew chapter 28, you see the Great Commission. The Bible says, Jesus telling the disciples, that first church that was there, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word for teach comes from the same word that we get our word disciple from. It's the same idea there. So in many ways, it is the idea of make disciples of all nations, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So again, Jesus here emphasizes this aspect of teaching, of learning from the Lord and teaching it to others, being teachable and therefore being able to communicate it with others as well. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So if you're wondering what is the process here in the church that we desire to see, you can find it there really in Matthew 28 and also 2 Timothy chapter 2, which is the idea here is, of course, we're kind of in a teaching session right now. Amen, right? We're taking a look at the Word of God. We want to learn from the Lord. We want to learn from the Bible. Amen? That's why we're here, right? So we're here to learn. The idea, though, is that we might learn so that we might give it to somebody else. Amen? All right? If the Word of God is great, and it is, amen? <laughs> if it's great, then we ought to share it with somebody else. Amen? We ought to help somebody else to say, I, I have this great, wonderful thing from God's Word. I want you to also have this great, wonderful thing from God's Word. And of course, first of all, you've got to receive it yourself. So you've got to be teachable. You have to be able to receive it. You have to hear the Word of God and have it sink into your heart. You have to receive it in your mind, accept it, and believe it, and apply it. And then from there, then you could give it to somebody else. That's the idea. So the idea here on a Sunday morning or any of the church services or the Life Connection classes, you know, we have the kids class going on, the youth class, we'll have a class later. All of these classes, the idea is that somebody is investing some time to teach somebody else. Here is what I took. I took a look at the Word of God. I studied it, and I learned from it, and now I want to help you to learn the same thing that I have learned. And the idea for all of us as believers is to be able to share that with somebody else as well. One of the great places that that often happens is in a Life Connection class. So you have the Life Connection class, and oftentimes the teacher will ask, you know, hey, what's going on? Or what do you think about this idea? Or when we think about this topic that we're talking about, what comes to mind? Or, you know, is there something that, you know, some event that happened in your life that you could see, ah, God helped me to grow in this way. That's a great opportunity. That's, that's kind of a more of a formal way. But in many ways, being a Christian is not limited to the formal times that we meet together. You're a Christian whether you're here at church or not. Amen? You're a disciple whether you're here at church or not. And so there's a lot of opportunities where you get to just be a disciple and also to help somebody else to learn as well. The home is an obvious place where, yes, we're just a family. We're a family just like, you know, so many other families. But there's a great opportunity to share the Word of God. Maybe you did read the Bible and you wanted to share it with a spouse. Maybe you have your kids. You want to help them to grow and to learn and say, hey, you know what? This is what the Bible says about that thing that you just did. That's what I think is so key 
about the family. The family can get together and say, ah, you see that thing that you just did? Let me share with you how that was exactly what the Bible says that you ought to do. That's great. Keep it up. Or on the other hand, hey, you know what? I think you're going down the wrong road and I see that right away. Let me share with you the word of God and I'll show you why this is the wrong thing. You ought not to do this or you ought not. You're going in the wrong direction or you're having a, a poor attitude or a spirit or whatever the case might be. The idea is that, all right, everywhere we go, we have this discipleship mentality of, I want to learn from God and therefore also to be able to share it with others as well. The trait that we're taking a look at today, of course, in Nathaniel, is that first he was teachable. He was teachable. He was able to receive from the Lord. And so we're going to take a look at a few traits of Nathaniel that I see that are related to being teachable, to having a teachable spirit. So first of all, we see that Nathaniel was rooted. He was rooted in the Word of God. So in verse number 45, which is a verse that we read earlier, the Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip comes to Nathanael and he says, We have found the Messiah. We've been looking for this Messiah that was written about in Moses, that was written about in the prophets. We have found him. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He is the son or supposed the son of Joseph. So obviously, Nathaniel knew the word of God, right? Because Philip didn't have to explain this whole thing. He just said, you know that thing that we've been looking for? We found him. He's here. So Nathaniel obviously knew the word of God. And if we're going to be disciples, we've got to be rooted in something. And what we are rooted in is the Bible, okay? That's what we're rooted in. We're not rooted in our experiences. We're not rooted in some philosophy. We're not rooted in any of these other things that we might be rooted in. We've got to be rooted in the Word of God. That's where we root ourselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So Paul is telling Timothy, hey, you've learned all of these things. You've been teachable. You've been a disciple. And he says in verse number 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, you know the things that I've been teaching you, that they're solid. They're from the word of God. They're biblical things. Not only that, not just around me, but when you were a little kid, your mom taught you the word of God, and you've been assured of it. And from a little uh, young age, you've understood uh, 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 what God has to say, and you've now received Christ as your Savior. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So if we're going to be teachable, we've got to begin, first of all, with what or where we are being taught, which is the Bible. Amen? All right? That's the primary thing for us as disciples, that we are being taught the Bible. All right? I know that sounds obvious here in church, but how often do we know of people who learn everything else about the whole world, but they know so little about the Bible? 
And so we as disciples need to learn the Bible. That's what Nathaniel obviously did because he said, we have found, or Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. So even all the way back with Moses, there were writings about God is going to send somebody. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me unto him ye shall hearken verse 18 i will raise him up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that i shall command him so even way back in the, in, in the books of moses in deuteronomy there was this prophecy that was given god is going to send somebody that is from one of you that will be somebody that is obviously we know going to be the son of god so we know that he knew these things because he says oh moses wrote about it that person that we were waiting for we have found him but not only that we see that he stayed in the bible because it says we have found him of whom moses in the law did write this is the first five books of the bible genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy so Nathaniel was familiar with these books of the Bible, which means he would have been familiar with all of the things that were in there. He would have been familiar with creation. He would have been familiar with the creation of Adam and Eve. He would have been familiar with the fall, their sin. He would have been familiar with Cain and Abel. He would have known about Noah and the flood. He would have known about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would have known about Joseph and the brothers. He would, he would have known about Moses. He would have known about all of these things, but Philip doesn't just say, oh, the, the person that Moses wrote about, he says, and the prophets did write. So there are more books in the Bible than just the first five books in the Bible. Amen? All right. Nathaniel was familiar with those books in the Bible. And he knew that in those books in the Bible, God also said, I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a Messiah. Somebody who will be there for you, in Daniel chapter three, or 9, verse 25, knowing therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Desolations are determined. So in the book of Daniel, one of the prophets, we know, ah, there's going to be a Messiah. We know that he will come and he will be cut off. We know that Messiah, he will be killed. He was crucified, of course, that we know Jesus was crucified. Isaiah also speaks about this Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us is a child born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth from henceforth even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this so daniel spoke about this prophet isaiah spoke about this prophet 
Micah spoke about this prophet, this Messiah, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, uh, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So here is prophecy after prophecy after prophecy in the books of the prophets that said a Messiah is coming. He's going to come. He will rule and reign. He will be the son of God. And Nathaniel was familiar with that, which tells me that when it comes to being a disciple, we've got to, we've got to learn it all. Now, I know that that's intimidating, but it's important for us if we're going to be disciples that our idea is not just that I want to learn a little bit, I want to learn all that God has for me, okay? That's the idea. That's the heart and the mentality of a disciple. The disciple says, I've learned some, but I want to learn more, amen? That's the heart of a disciple. I've learned some, but I know God has more, so I want to learn more. That's the, the idea and the heart of a disciple. And that's why our church is often is, is structured the way that it is. So oftentimes people ask me when they see, oh, there's multiple, you know, they receive an invitation from our church and, oh, you have multiple services Sunday morning and Sunday night. Are they the same service? And I'll tell them, no, they are not the same service. I preach a different message Sunday morning and Sunday night. And people sometimes wonder why. Well, it's Sunday. You know, people go to church once. Well, we go to church twice. Okay, one person amen, said amen. <laughs> that was a staff member. <laughs> All right. We go to church twice. Why? Why do we go to church twice? Well, there's a number of reasons. First of all, God said that the seventh day is a day of rest. All right, not just in the morning time, but the whole day, amen? But the other thing, of course, is we have a lot to learn, amen? All right, part of being teachable is acknowledging I've got a lot to learn. There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things that are not yet a part of my life, and I want to learn those things. That's why Matthew chapter 28, in verse number 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But in verse number 20, it says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So there's this idea that, okay, we're going to learn some of the Bible, but let's not stop there. Let's learn more. Just a continual process of learning more and more. The third trait when it comes to being rooted in the scriptures is we see that Nathaniel was, was keeping the word of God. He says, we have found him, which tells me something that Nathaniel was actively looking, that Philip was actively looking, that they were actively looking for this Messiah. Of course, they were living their lives, whatever it was that they were doing. Some have speculated that these two were fishermen. They may have been fishermen. They may not have been fishermen. We don't really know for sure. But regardless of what they did, they did live their lives. But always in the back of their mind, they were thinking the Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to be here. And they were looking for the Messiah, which tells me that in some way, shape, and form, this, pros this promise was influencing the way that Nathaniel lived. And that's also what's true for disciples. Disciples don't just learn in their head, it comes through in their life. That's what being a disciple is about. Not just coming and saying, I know what the Bible says, but also living what the Bible says. 
That's the process of being a disciple. Again, going back to what Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe. Now, I know when we hear the word observe, we think about what? Look at, okay? We're going to look at the word of God. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says to observe all things means to keep it, to do it, to implement it into our lives. So that's the idea. And it's interesting because you have to remember that these prophets and Moses and all, all of them, they did not live in the same time that Nathaniel lived. They lived a long time before, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Nathaniel even came around is when these prophecies were written. And even still, Nathaniel was faithfully waiting, looking for the Messiah, which tells me that if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to have endurance. You've got to be patient. You've got to continue. Because sometimes the thing that you do does not produce fruit for a long time. Sometimes the results don't come right away. I know we want the results to come right away. And in many ways, our culture kind of expects results right away. I want the thing that produces the results the quickest. But sometimes the results that come the best are the ones that take a little bit of time. That's why endurance and patience and faithfulness is so key for a disciple. I want to take a look at another example that kind of would mirror the situation that Nathaniel was in. Nathaniel was told the Messiah is going to come. He hasn't come around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but still they said he could come any day. Any day the Messiah could come. Well, in 2 Peter we read, in verse number three, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So what, what Peter is writing is he's saying, I know some people will criticize you and mock you for, for believing that Jesus is going to come again, because we believe that Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. Now, when was that promise made? It wasn't made yesterday. It wasn't made last year. It was made when Jesus was around. That was about 2,000 years ago. Almost 2,000 years ago was when Jesus was telling us, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to go back to my Father, and I'm coming again for you. And every generation has thought Jesus could come any day. Jesus could come today. Jesus could come tomorrow. He could come in my lifetime. Every generation you saw that. Now there's going to be some people that will look at that and say, yeah, every generation thought that and every generation was disappointed. Why do you think that Jesus is going to come again in your lifetime? Well, in verse number five, Peter continues and says, let me give you an example. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So Peter says, all right, let me give you an Old Testament example. The example is that of Noah. So Noah is, it was told, all right, I'm going to flood the earth. You build a boat. Okay, that's what the ark is. The ark is a boat. It's basically a giant box. So he was told, build an ark. Now, there's him 
and he's got three sons, there's four of them, that have to build a boat big enough, and it's, it's not just a boat that's big enough for them, or them and their families, they have to house all of creation, all of the animals, basically. And, you know, there's different ways, I'm sure, that they did it. They didn't pick the giant, you know, the full-grown animals. They probably picked the little baby ones, you know, and let them grow, and all of these sorts of things. But the point is, it took them a very, 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 very long time. For probably, you know, about 100 years, Noah was building the ark, okay? Noah is building an ark that is enormous. They have a life-size replica of this ark in Kentucky that I got to go see visit. We don't know if it exactly looked like that, if that was the exact size, but it was big. And we know that Noah's ark was big. So you can't build something like that in your backyard and keep it a secret, okay? People are gonna notice. Noah, what is that thing? <laughs> They're gonna ask. And Noah, whether he wanted to or not, he did want to tell other people because he knew judgment was coming, said, I'm building a boat. Noah, you're not close to the water. Why are you building a boat there? Because it is going to flood. God is going to flood the earth. And if you want to save yourself, you need to come with me. Year after year after year after year, Noah's building the boat, telling his neighbors, and year after year after year, they mocked him. Year after year, they made fun of him until the floods came. One day the flood was going to come because God said it would come. And when it came, they weren't ready. Noah was ready. They were not. They had their chances. They had their opportunities. God said it would come. They didn't believe his word. And so they perish. Peter is saying, that's the example. Even in the book of Genesis, we can learn lessons about how should we live today. Therefore, he concludes in verse number eight, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What that means is God didn't forget to come back, okay? It's not like he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. You know, sometimes we put things into the oven and we forget, oh, I forgot, you know? You forget to grab this one thing or, you know, all of these things that we can forget. It's not like God forgot. He didn't forget. In verse number nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up. So what Peter is saying is, all right, we should be faithful because God's promise will come true. We know that it will come true because look at what happened with Noah. Look at what happened with the Messiah. So we have some examples of God saying, this is going to happen, and it did take a long time. In our, in our mind, it took a long time, but still it happened because God promised it. So let's be faithful. Let's continue in the Word of God. No matter how long it takes to see the result or the fruit, let's be faithful. That's the attitude that Nathaniel had, and we also know that he shared the Word of God with others. Philip and Nathaniel obviously had conversations about this Messiah because when Philip came to Nathaniel, he said, we have found the Messiah that we had been looking for. That's what he's saying. So obviously, 
what he thought in his heart came out in the words that he used. That's what Jesus says, Luke chapter 6. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So we talk about the things that are important to us. Amen? If you love the Dodgers, it's going to come out in a conversation somewhere. Amen? It just is. You love sports. You love politics. You love whatever it is that you love. It's just going to come out. It just naturally comes out. You begin to talk about it, and, and, uh, it because it's on your mind all the time. What was on Nathaniel's mind was God's word. And you know what he talked about? He talked about God's word. And for us as disciples, when we fully learn the word of God, meaning we're really invested into it and we're really learning it, it comes out and it reminds us, oh, that reminds me of this verse over here. Oh, and you said this thing and that reminds me of this verse. And that's often one of the clues that you can, you can really learn and figure about, all right, who is somebody I really want to learn from biblically speaking? I want to learn from, okay, how can I grow as a Christian? Look for somebody who just in natural conversation brings out the word of God. Hey, there's a story about David that's just like what you went through. Or, you know, oh man, that was so funny, you know, and, and you know, it reminds me of what Jesus did or what happened in this situation. There's a great uh, 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 truth here about being teachable as disciples, being rooted in the word of God. That's where we are rooted. But not only that, we see that Nathaniel, he was receptive. That's usually what we think of when we mean that somebody is teachable, that they are receptive. In verse number 45, we see, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay? So you're looking for the Messiah, and your friend's looking for the Messiah, and your friend comes and says, We have found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. Okay? How do you think your friend would react? You would hope that they would pick up on your excitement and be like, Man, my friend is so excited. What are you excited about? We have found the Messiah. You found the Messiah? Let's go, let's go see him, right? You would think that that's what would happen. Nathaniel, though, is not that excited. He says in verse number 46, And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip's like, We found the Messiah. Come here. You got to see. And Nathaniel's like, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. And sometimes you have people who will say, I'm not so sure about that. Yes, I am looking, but I'm not so sure about that. Nathaniel is thinking, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, if you're reading between the lines here a little bit, you have to remember Nathaniel is also from Galilee. He's from the city of Cana, which is not that far from Nazareth, which makes it sound like Nazareth did not have a great reputation. It, it, it's not one of those cities where you're like, wow, look at that. Wow, some great people came out of that city. Wow, that's really incredible. That's really a great story. Wow, that's, that's, that's great. You know, it's, it's you know, one of those things when you read about certain people that they just, from this place, it's like, wow, there's something there, you know? Uh, I remember I was blown away when I found out that uh, if you're following basketball, you know about LeBron James and you know about Steph Curry, right? You know, two of the greatest players that play in the NBA right now were born in the same city. They were born in Ohio, in Akron, Akron, Ohio. 
which makes you think maybe there's something there in Akron, <laughs> you, know? you know? Maybe there might be another basketball player that comes out of there. There's something special maybe about that city. We don't know what it is. But sometimes you think about these cities and you think, wow, there's something great that came out of the city. Look at these people that were born in the city. In Nazareth, nobody thought, wow, there's somebody great who's coming out of Nazareth. Everybody thought, nobody great comes from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That was his attitude. But I love Philip's response. His response was, why don't you just come and see? Come and see for yourself. That's a great response for us as Christians. Come and see for yourself. Why, why don't you just study the Bible with me? Just see it for yourself. See if Jesus really is who he says that he is. See if God really does what he says that he says he was going to do. Why, why don't you test the Lord and see if he is good? And that's, that's what Philip's response essentially was. He was like, just come and see for yourself. And verse number 47 says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. Nathanael actually did come, which tells me something about Nathanael. Nathanael was clearly skeptical that this was the Messiah, but still he was willing to go. There's something about teachable people that we all have our natural, can I put it, bias that, that we're, we're naturally maybe not fully believing something could be true, or we, we all have our natural beliefs, right? We believe certain things. But being teachable means, even though I'm skeptical of something, I'm willing to be open and see whether I'm right or wrong. Being teachable, in many ways, is being willing at some point to acknowledge, you know what, maybe I'm wrong on this one. I might be wrong. You ever thought that? Hopefully you do. <laughs> you know what, I might be wrong on this one. You know what, I've always thought this my whole life, but maybe that's not right. You know, I've always believed this to be true, but maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe, maybe what God says really is true. There's something about being teachable that is willing to say, all right, I'm pretty sure that that's not right, but I'm willing to be open and accepting that I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Nathaniel says, I don't think that's the Messiah. I, he can't possibly have come out of Nazareth. But Philip says, just come and see. So he says, all right, let's go and see. He was willing to go and see. Acts chapter 17, verse number 10. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Phil, uh, Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So here is Paul and Silas. They have left Thessalonica and they're going to Berea. They are going because they're essentially being kicked out. Verse number 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women which were Greeks, and of men not a few. So you notice this teachable spirit that is here in Berea. In Berea, the attitude was, we are willing to listen. We are willing to listen, but we are rooted in the word of God. We'll hear anything that you have to say, but we'll compare everything that you have to say with the Bible. That's what these Jews did. Hearing Paul's teaching, 
comparing it with the word of God, the Bible says that they believe. They got saved. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. And the Bible says not a few, a lot of people got saved. You know why a lot of people got saved? Because they were teachable. They were willing to listen, willing to receive. That's one of the reasons why I believe that kids' ministry is so important. That's one of the reasons why I believe parenting and parents involved with their kids, teaching them the Word of God, is so important. You know why? Because kids are naturally teachable. You know who's less teachable? Us. <laughs> Us adults. <laughs> we think we have it figured out. We think we know everything. We think we know how we're supposed to live. And we can be less teachable than little kids. That's why I think kids' ministry is so important. Parents, you've got to teach your kids at a young age what the Bible says, how to live as a Christian. See them to be saved, obviously, and then baptized. Add it to the church following the Word of God because it can be so teachable. They can be so receptive. I think that's so important. And that's the attitude that you saw there in that city. In verse number 47, then, you see, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, uh, saith of him Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael was willing to be proven wrong because he was so sincere. He was not playing two sides of the game. Who he was is who he was. Amen? It's not like he's acting one way at church and using curse words when he's at work. It's not like he comes into church services and tries to act all holy, and then when he's at home, he's watching filth on the internet or on his computer. It's not like he's one way with his family, another way with his friends, another way when he's online, another way when he's at church. Nathaniel was the same through and through. He was sincere all the way around, and that allowed him to be teachable because he was humble enough to just be, this is who I am, and this is what I believe, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I need to change. That was Nathaniel's idea, which then leads us to the third aspect of Nathaniel being teachable, which was that he was responsive. He was not just learning in his head, but he was responsive to the words that he received. So Nathaniel is told by Jesus, look, here is an Israelite who is sincere. He's not playing any games. There is no guile in him. He's sincere. In verse number 48, Nathaniel saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? Okay, since when did you know who I am? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called thee, I, uh, uh, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under a fig tree, I saw thee. Okay, so we're not sure exactly all the implications of this, but it's obvious that Nathaniel was under a fig tree. Being under the fig tree, he thought that nobody else knew. Or at least he definitely thought that Jesus definitely couldn't have known this. This was obviously something that other people did not know about. It was something that really maybe Nathaniel or his close friend Philip, maybe just the two of them would have known. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, when before Philip went and found you, I saw that you were under the fig tree. There was something there that revealed to Nathaniel, this has to be the Messiah. There's no way anybody could have known that except the Messiah. Because he says, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Isn't it so interesting how that Nathanael, 
just a moment ago said, can there anything good come out of Nazareth? And the very next moment he says, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, the king of Israel. Do you notice how quickly he changes his mind? He's willing to say, that was wrong what I thought before. This is what is right, and I'm going to hold to what is right. He was responsive. He was willing to accept and change and be changed because you're not going to be right every single time. You're going to be wrong. And one of the best skills for us as believers, as human beings in general, really, but especially as believers, is being willing to admit, I was wrong. Now I'm going to do what is right. All right? That was wrong. This is right. That's what I used to do. I'm not going to do that anymore. As disciples, how quickly you can move in that direction will determine how quickly you can grow as a disciple. Because if you know that you're wrong and you are very slow to change, that's going to slow down your growth. If you want to grow as a Christian, you've got to speed up that process of, I was wrong, that's right, I'm going to change, and I'm going to do what is right. That's a discipleship process. Do you follow me? All right. How quickly you can do that is so important because some people do take a very long time to realize, you know what, I was wrong. Now I'm going to do what is right. And praise the Lord. God is patient with all of his children. I'm thankful for that. Thankful God is patient with his children. I'm glad for believers that are patient with other believers. But God says, if I show you that you are wrong, will you admit that you are wrong and change? That's the idea. Being a disciple is all about changing. James gives us a great picture of what this looks like. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. So here is the picture that James wants to say. He's saying, all right, if I give to you the word and you don't do it, this is what that's like. It's like when you go home and you stand in front of a mirror and you see a reflection of yourself. Verse 24, for he forgetteth or for he beholdeth himself and goeth his own way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So the idea is, you know, we've got lots of mirrors in our homes, right? You have a mirror probably in your bathroom, right? You might, you might have mirrors in your bedroom, right? On your closet door, you might have a vanity, you might have some, you have a mirror, right? Probably in your entranceway, you might have a mirror that's right there. Why do we have all of these mirrors? We want to know, is there something wrong with this, <laughs> right? We want to know, is there something wrong with my hair? Is there something wrong with my clothes? Is there something wrong? There's something in my teeth. I want to know all of these things because if there's something wrong, I want to fix it, right? My collar's upturned. My hair is kind of weird. There's something in my teeth. I want to know so I can change it. James says, if you hear the word of God, and you don't do anything about it, it's like you stood in front of a mirror and said, wow, my hair looks terrible. And then you go out anyway, right? You stand in front of the bathroom mirror and you say, oh, I got stuff all, I got spinach and stuff in my teeth, and you go out anyway. You don't, you don't, you don't take it out of your teeth, you don't brush your teeth, you don't fix your hair, you don't fix your collar, you don't fix your clothes, you just go out anyway. You would say, that's silly. Who would do that? Who would see themselves that way and think, that's not too bad, and go out anyway? We would all think, uh, you, you, gotta, you, you probably have some friends. If you're a good friend, you would say, hey, 
you got something stuck in your tooth, you might want to go check it out, right? Now, if your friend said, yeah, I know, I saw it earlier, but it's okay, you'll be like, what? Excuse me? You knew that it was there, and you left it in there? That doesn't make any sense at all. What are you doing, all right? We need to have a more serious conversation, okay? Where, where are you going with your life, okay? But what Jesus says is, or what God says here through the book of James is this. If you hear the word of God and it doesn't change you, you're just like that guy. You're just like that guy. So that's why the word of God is so important. What God reveals to us is the Bible is a mirror to your spiritual self. Okay? The Bible is your spiritual mirror. You want to see who you really are as a, as a believer, for those of you that are saved. If you're lost, it is also a mirror. It will show you who you really are, which is that you are a sinner in need of a savior. You need to be saved. All right? We're not good people. We are sinners that need to be saved. Amen? Amen? Oh, we are. And God saved us. Amen? He died on the cross and you called upon Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You're saved. That's great. That's wonderful. You only knew that, though, because you looked at the Bible. Somebody showed you the Word of God. As a Christian, we have this mirror, and that mirror shows us who we really are, how you're really doing, getting into the Bible, and seeing yourself. There's nobody, none of you, that will look in the mirror on Monday morning, look at yourself and say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm good, and not look at a mirror the rest of the week. None of you would say, well, I saw myself on Monday when it's on Wednesday. I was good on Monday, so I must be good today, all right? None of you on Saturday would think, well, I saw my reflection on Monday, and I was good on Monday. I must be good today. You would know implicitly every day I should probably check myself. Every morning I should check myself. Every time I go to the bathroom, you might check yourself. <laughs> every time you're in front of a mirror, you might check yourself, right? Because there's always a possibility. Something might have happened. It might be a windy day. You just had lunch. All sorts of things could happen. You know what that tells me about believers? We ought to check ourselves in the mirror regularly. Amen? Amen? That's why as a disciple, if you're not getting into the Word of God on a daily basis, it's like you're not looking at yourself in the mirror day after day after day after day. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to see how you're doing. So I've been kind of chronicling through you uh, my process of learning golf, okay? Now, I've told you the, the reason why, you know, my dad wants me to play golf and all of these things. And so I'm on this process of learning golf, and it's still a process, okay? I'm still trying to learn. I'm still trying to figure it out, okay? And I knew at the beginning it wasn't going to be that good, but I was going to learn. Recently, I got bold, and I started recording myself. I started recording myself, and I realized oh, what I thought I was doing is not what I was actually doing. I saw myself and I said, I didn't know that I was doing that. No wonder I'm having trouble in this, this way, really hitting the ball, <laughs> right? And I realized, oh, how it feels is not exactly what I thought I was really doing. I thought what I saw somebody else doing is what I was doing, you know, because I'm watching these professional golfers. I'm like, wow, that looks great. I'm going to do exactly what that guy does. And I would go and I would practice. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm doing exactly, you know, maybe I just need to practice a little bit more. And then I recorded myself and I realized, 
no, I'm, I'm not doing what that guy does. And if you saw me at the range, it would have been pretty obvious. But in my mind, I thought I was pretty close. And then I recorded myself and I realized I was off. Now, I could just say, yeah, but you know, whatever, I'm just gonna keep doing how it feels good to me. And you would say, that's silly. You know that you're not doing the right thing. The move is not the right move. You should make a change. You should make an adjustment. And I started making adjustments because I realized I didn't know before that I was doing that. But after I recorded myself, now I know. The process of being a disciple is regularly putting yourself in front of the Word of God so that you could know. Now that you know, because now you know, we all sat here together. Now that you know, we ought to make that change. We ought to follow through. And notice what Jesus' response is. Nathaniel says, you are the son of God. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? He says, you believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Here Jesus says, You were so quick to make that change because I said this one thing. Let me tell you what. You're going to see even greater things. Now, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I want to see even greater things. Greater things wonderful things and god wants to show us all wonderful things more things greater things but we've got to be teachable when god shows us a little thing we've got to respond and jesus when he saw that quick response he says you believed after i said just that here i'm going to show you something more i'm going to show you something greater that's going to develop your faith you're going to see some wonderful incredible things all because nathaniel was teachable